everyone. Welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings, join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance into the world. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I am excited to welcome today's guest and for you to hear a little bit about his story, his background, and what drives him to do the work that he is doing. Jonathan Salib is the general manager of Coena Skincare. This is a social enterprise of which the basis of the company is about giving balance back to the community and all the profits made from the sale of product goes directly back to charity Empower Overseas Aid. Jonathan has connected with Coena from the moment he started working with them two years ago and he's since dedicated his time to leading and building this brand into something that truly impacts communities. So what got him there? Well, during this podcast, you'll hear about how he grew up, the son, the two immigrant parents here in Australia, how a moment traveling back to Egypt really started triggering his understanding of the impact that we could all individually make. But it was a former boss that led him to an existential crisis. His former boss said to him, having all the success in the world isn't important unless it has a significant impact on others. Make sure to listen in to this fabulous conversation where Jonathan takes us through his life, his journey to becoming part of a startup, Coena Skincare, and his learning and learnings for entrepreneurs who may be doing the same. Enjoy. I'm doing it. Jonathan, there's so much in what you just shared there about the honesty around growing up in a family business, the fact that it isn't all roses and champagne popping moments and money in the bank, the fact that actually more often than not, there's a lot of hard graft, a hard hustle, and everyone has to collectively work together. And then that point that you made about your uncle and his comment about for 18 years, he wasn't making any money. I'm curious, how do you think when you reflect on that now as an entrepreneur yourself, how have you taken those learnings into the work that you're doing now yeah it's an interesting one like yeah again my partner and I have this discussion all the time I thought I was pretty normal but I think if anything it's given me a huge appetite for risk like let's take a punt let's try this let's go and let's see what what happens let's put some money behind this and see if behind this type of marketing campaign and see what happens because I tell you what if it doesn't work this is our exposure but if it does work look at how well it can go so it has given you a unwavering belief almost in yourself. Well, well, yeah, belief in myself, but also I can see the bigger picture. So like yeah. the, da- the daily grind of running a business or a startup, it's not all fun and games. It's not all networking events and chatting to people on podcasts. It's, there's, you know, <laughs> I was at our 3PL warehouse fixing issues with orders today. Like it's, it is, it's hard. But the bigger picture is like we know why we exist as a brand. We know why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, 
Rachel and Paul, the two like two people that I work with, are amazing. They're the same thing. So Paul has an unwavering belief that his product is built for the greater good. His formula will change people's lives. Rachel just believes that the skincare is so good that everybody should be using it. I believe in the impact that we're doing, that what we're doing with the money. Our bigger picture uh, mentality around this is what drives us. I love it. All right, let's get into that then. So what do you think is the key watershed moment that led you to what you're doing now? What set you on this path of creating the business and the brand that you are now so passionate about? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. I, I mentioned earlier that I, my first real job was with, with Back in Motion Physio. And yeah, at the time we had three clinics and the guy who owned it, Jason Smith, it was, it took me out for lunch and he said to me, he was talking about a lot of the charitable work that he was doing. And he said to me back then, you know, being, having all the success in the world is great, but it's absolutely pointless if you can't be significant in the lives of others. And that doesn't necessarily mean giving back to a charity or anything like that. He was very much about like, you need to believe in what you're doing. It's got to be more than just about earning money. Mm. Right? Like, why do you do it? Or you need to have a reason to do it. But like, you know, are you helping people? You know, are you mentoring people? Are you developing, you know, young leaders? You know, are you supporting home? What are you doing with the success that you have? Mm. And I kind of, you know, I just thought it was a way for him to pay me less money, right? Like, you know, just the ultimately as a 21 year old. And it was funny. So, you know, fast forward to end of 2019. So I was sitting on a plane coming back from Sydney. It was my second trip in 10 days. And it's 11 o'clock at night and I kind of had this like existential crisis of like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I working for a big corporate organization? You know, and I had everything I thought I wanted. Like, I don't know about you, Janine, but when I was you know, in uni and sort of started envisaging my career, I wanted, you know, there's all these things I want to do. I want to be in a, in a management role and I want to be staying in five-star hotels and flying business class, all of these things. And I came home and I said to my fiance, look, I'm just not happy. I, I'm done. You know, I can't do this. It means nothing to me. Like I just, I get up and I work for the man. And so I went and I, I actually told my boss, I said, look, I think I'm done. And think about it over the break. And I said, all right, no worries. And then I ended up catching up with my cousin at Christmas, my cousin, Rachel. And she's like, oh, look, I want you to yeah, have a think about working at Coena. Like, you know, we are a social enterprise. We believe in giving back. You know, I need someone like you to come in and actually just drive, you know, action and movement and really get things going for us and you know, I'm denied about it so I went back and I actually resigned yeah first day back from my summer break and yeah. my boss was a bit shocked we have a great relationship we still do and he came back to me and he offered me more money than I'd ever earned in my first year like the, he, it, more than my first year's salary as a pay increase and I came home and I said to Joe, I'm crazy not to take it right she, and she said to me why like why what are you going to do buy a faster car or buy a I'm like but it's the mortgage, like you generally, like I gave her all these things we could do with it. And she said, but you're still going to be miserable. Like, you know, you talk about giving back and you talk about, you know, altruism, then, you know, this is an opportunity to do it. And it was, she really motivated me to sort of take that risk really. And, you know, at the time it was, it was a, a simpler decision because, you know, COVID hadn't really hit then. And, you know, it was like, all right, well, can we afford to go, you know, take a bit of a hit financially in our own personal life? to do it and I was like yep cool let's take the risk let's do it because you know what if we don't do it if I don't do it I'll regret not taking the opportunity mm. I wonder 
I wonder how many people exist out there that may be going through their own existential existentials crisis. That comment that essentially triggered and started this ripple effect for you of, you know, having, I think you said having all the success in the world isn't important unless it has a significant impact on others. One of the things I write about in Be Brilliant is the fact that, you know, I love Simon Sinek's work around finding your why. However, I also believe that that big question is what is putting so many people into places of uncertainty, of questioning themselves, of questioning their impact. And, and for me, it very I talk much more about your purpose or your contribution. What contribution do you want to make? And yet society continues to put on pedestals those people that are achieving success purely from a monetary perspective to start with. And so I'm, I sense with some of my clients this, this ongoing battle between what they think society is expecting them to do and what they want to do. When you made that decision to leave that traditional job and to join the startup, what was the response to people around you? Oh, everyone thought I was crazy. My boss still said, like, yeah, I, I had my old boss, sorry, we had lunch a couple of weeks ago when he was in Melbourne. And he said to me, I couldn't, at the time, I could not believe you were going to throw this away. Like, I was the youngest senior leader in that division, right? I had the biggest, and you know, he saw in his mind, he had this career path planned out for me. Like, I had literally the best job in the world. I had everything. I was good at it. I came and went as I please. I had a great relationship with my boss. I had a great group of peers around me, a great, se- a great senior leadership team. We used to socialize together, all of that. Mm. And it's it, to him, he could not rationalize why I would want to give it up to reduce income, to not to, like to, to go and chase something that, that this whole model of giving back and doing what, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, why don't you just make more money and give more money to charity? I'm like, but to me, I just don't feel like it just, it's something within your soul. Like it's something mm. right, like, and it sounds a bit airy fairy, but to me, it was like, I knew then and there, like something was wrong and mm. this was what was going to fix it. And I'll tell you what, wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. It's interesting. I was recently chatting on this podcast to a lady called Jade Green And she talks about the fact that it was this, and actually she started crying on the podcast because it was like she talked about this calling and there was nothing that was going to stop her. She knew she just had to do it. And I'm sensing that that's a similar thing to you of this is the work that you've been put on the planet to do, this purposeful work. Yeah. So talk to me about about the brand. What it well, first of all, the name Koina. What does that stand for? So Koina means balance in Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and then it's how is this not just another skincare brand? How what is the point of difference of this brand? What's so special? And therefore, what is it that drives you to keep building this brand? Yeah. So interestingly enough, and there's a big backstory behind like before I came on board I thought all right yeah well they've got a skincare cream it seems to be good for people with skin conditions all right cool and then I met Dr. Paul Turner who is the person who developed the the, the formula that's at the root cause of the base for all of our our products right so mm. we use his we call it Restoplex so Paul's a 30-year veteran of the academic and science community you know he's done some amazing things and his whole life's work has been around tropical medicine and tropical diseases and inflammation. And so very much, uh, yeah, we're science-backed, right? So there's a lot, and I won't go into all of that. Like we've got all that information on our website if you want to you know, query the science of it. And uh, it's not my place to really speak on 
the science science behind asking care. That's his, you know, he's the expert on that area. But certainly, you know, he firmly like our product is science backed and, and it works, right? Yeah, with Rachel, Rachel's passion is about developing good skincare products that she would want to use every single day, right? Mm-hmm. So our formulation chemist, we drove him absolutely crazy with our body lotion, our most recent products. Ah, oh, can you? And it's so weird. You get into, you understand. Can we make it a little less? I don't know. Can we make the cream less creamy? And then she's like, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, like you know, kind of. Oh, it just uh, kind of feels a bit. I don't know gooey and it's like yeah you get it's a really funny but it's that we everything we develop we want to use ourselves so like my kids use our product our our whole family uses the product not because it's our product but because they genuinely love it and would use it if it wasn't our brand and for me what drives me is the give back element right Mm. so social enterprise and I, I think it is the way of the future it is the bridge between traditional charitable models and large organizations just simply sort of existing to because conscious consumerism is, is a really big thing at the moment people want to shop local people want to shop small people want to you, you know what i mean they want to shop yeah. shop with meaning you know we, we we saw the success of it you know we think of who gives a crap we think of mm-hmm. um guys like homie here in melbourne who do work with homelessness you do think of thank you you know they they took a traditional model and changed it and actually sort of said okay people are going to buy these products anyway People, people need these types of consumer products anyway, or people use toilet paper. Let's do something good with it. Let's start a business that does that that does good, and 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 we're seeing more and more of that happen. So you know, I think the way of the future is more and more social enterprises and more and more, you know, businesses that not just sort of pay tokenism. So you know, we see a lot of that. Oh, we're going to support this week and that week and that and the others. But we're going to see more and more businesses get really focused on genuinely giving back to their communities yeah and so what's your connection so your social enterprise all profits get donated to where what's Um, the connection for you our major partner right now is an organization an australian charity called empower overseas aid so they primarily focus their work efforts in south asia and the reason we got involved with them was because our board and, and the people who are backing us to backing us in with the startup actually were, went over and saw the work they were doing and they became so passionate and they wanted to create a vehicle in which that they could support them, you know, support the work that they're doing. And what's great about Empower is, you know, they're not just about let's build a well, you know, their whole model is about transforming communities so that they can, you know, over a two to three year period, transform a community and take it out of, from poverty and so that it is self-sustainable, so that they walk away and they train up leaders in the community, they train up women in tailoring, they train up teachers, they bring in teachers, they build a school. Like it's a whole transformation model rather than, hey, they're going to rely constantly on non-government support mm. to survive. So their whole thing's under eradicating poverty. But at the end of the day, that's not like our, that's the one we've started with. You know, Rachel and I were just talking today and going, okay, well, what else, who else can we support? Like we want to do so much. And, you know, I mean, there is only a, there's a limited pie that you've got to do, but, you know, we've got, you know, I want to support a local, a local organization I'm passionate about. And, and that's the beauty of a social enterprise. Like, yeah, we've picked one to start off with, but the plan is as we grow, those organizations that we support will grow with us, that the volume of those organizations will grow with us. So, yeah. So, so what is the vision for Coena? Where do you, what's the ultimate, if you could, if I could be your fairy godmother, and you could you were achieving exactly what it is you're setting out to achieve what is your wish for this brand and the work that you're doing yeah so interestingly enough so skincare is where we've started but the beauty of paul's formula is that we can actually put it into other carriers and it have an impact so yeah you know 
ultimately the combination of ingredients that he uses act as all have really good anti-inflammatory properties. And so when we think about what, you know, how inflammation affects our bodies, you know, whether it be, you know, in skin, you know, we hear about eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, all these issues are inflammatory responses, but so are so many other conditions in the body. If we think about, you know, arthritis is a form of inflammation of the joint. You know, we think about all sorts of issues, you know, gut inflammation. We hear about all of these things. So, you know, my, I guess the big picture is to, do, to basically develop a suite of products that are going to genuinely help, you know, people in their, in their everyday lives, you know, in, in so many different aspects of it, but also to then have this massive impact to be able to sort of really, and this is where the balance, the like, you know, when we think about coena and balance, we talk about, we talk about bringing balance back. So we talk about, balancing the cytokines in your body, balancing out inflammation in your body, but also balancing wealth inequality, you know? Mm. So, you know, where I live, there's a house that, a, a knockdown house that just got sold for five and a half million dollars, yeah? 200 meters inland from where it is, there's some of the most marginalized people in our community living in a boarding house, you know, living week to week and that, that are supported by organizations that we volunteer at. And you see that the, the inequality there is, is happening in our, in our own backyard and you know, balancing that out, allowing, giving people like you know, an opportunity to, to flourish themselves. So are you inspired to step up, to take massive action in your own business? Maybe you're feeling like the world's best kept secret and a little bit invisible right now. Or maybe you're frustrated at your lack of progress and want to win more at work and succeed more in life. Maybe it's about being ready to welcome more sales and more profit finally into your business. If you're interested in finding out more about my work, check me out on all the usual social platform suspects or email me at support at and let's set up a time to chat about how I can help. It is incredible, isn't it? I used to have a gift giving circle where we supported a community 45 minutes out of Sydney that was three generational unemployment. The only two jobs that kids could go into essentially were prostitution or drug dealing. And most of the kids finished school at 14, 15. It had huge teenage pregnancy. And, you know, it just blew my mind that literally a highway across there were people that, that had such a significant amount of cash. And this inequality, I think, is in our own backyards, not just internationally. I'm curious, Jonathan, for you, where do you think your drive for impact has come from? What is the moment when you reflect back that you go, yes, that, that, that person that said, you know, having all the success in the world is important, let's it has a significant impact. So that was almost the trigger. Looking back, where do you think this absolute need and want to do impact work came from? I think I was very lucky, right? I was able to travel at an early age, at a young age. So my parents took us back to Egypt a couple of times when we were younger. And I vividly remember we were in Egypt, we were in Alexandria, where my uncle, dad's brother was living, and we we're walking to the shops. And I'm talking like, and at the time, a teacher's salary was the equivalent of about 60, 70 Australian dollars for their month, a monthly salary, right? And I just walked back from the local shops where I'd spent $20 on lollies and chewing gum, right? Like, yeah. And my, my uncle and my cousins at the time could not believe that I'd, yeah, that we'd done it. And we walked past and I see this guy, this, there's an older guy and he's covered in dust and he smelled terrible and he was begging. And, and my cousin, who's earning $70 a month as a teacher, the equivalent of 70 AUD a month, 
just went and dropped him some money and, you know, and I was like, whoa, like it, you just almost, I don't know, it was like a really wow moment for for me that's gone, hang on a second. Yeah, there's a perspective there that you, that, that you gain going, I've just spent, you know, all this money on lollies and chewing gum. This man can't eat. Mm. yeah mm. So, yeah and so that's probably where yeah that's sort of one of the most vivid memories i have of it and that's and that, i think that's probably where it triggered going okay well i want to do something about this i want to see it and you know you don't think about it like i grew up in a middle class suburb yeah like i had it pretty good in my life mm. and then you know i look at the yeah we volunteer at a local brekkie club so they do we provide a dining meal service breakfast for the, yeah, the local community and you know what i realized is that we're all actually only a, a small number of bad luck this like things not falling our way away from being there so you know we, we talking to one or two of the people there you know we had a lady had a job lost her job during COVID, right got it as soon as they lifted that moratorium on eviction she was evicted mm-hmm. so she lived in her car right so then it's like okay how do you get a job if you can't have a shower you know and there's these things that you go okay well she was literally two bad luck things happened to her she was homeless Mm. we're all you know that far and it's like wow how can we change this and i know it's not an easy thing we don't fix all mental health and socioeconomic issues overnight but how can we impact that how do we how can we do the little things to change give people like a meal to eat and a place to shower like mm. it's almost mind-blowing how how simple we how easy we have it versus how difficult it can be for some people do you think that from a society point of view it's got worse or do you see this shift starting to happen where whether it be a generational thing you know I think about my teenage children three of them they seem to have so much more awareness about the impact they are having or you know I'm thinking about my almost 19 year old son and he's currently working as a casual employee at a company and what's really fascinating when he was deciding whether to say yes or no is when I think back to me being 18, it actually was the salary, the brand was so important and the career opportunities. For him, he fed back to me how amazing it was the work that this brand was doing in terms of sustainability and refugee week. And like the conversation was like chalk and cheese. From given that you're working in this space of social enterprise, are you starting to see a shift? Like, are you confident that we're moving in the right direction? I'd like to think we are, but I also think it comes with a generation generational affluence. So, you know, disposable income. So, you know, I think yeah, you know, early on when you first when you purchase your first home or you, you know, move out of home for the first time, whatever it is, you're thinking about the cents and the dollar, right? So you're you're not as actively thinking about what you're buying and, and what you're spending your money on when you are literally living week to week. And I think it's almost a really difficult thing and it's almost a I think if there is the affluence there, people have the opportunity and can pay a little bit more to buy products or consume consciously people are more aware of it and more alert of where their money's going but at the same time i definitely don't judge anybody who Mm. sits there and goes i can't afford to buy who gives a crap toilet paper i can't afford to pay that premium because i literally i am living week to week so i think it's a hard thing i think there's because we are seeing it harder and harder for generations to you know 
into the property market we read every day that rents are going up and wages are not necessarily going up at the same rate. So I don't judge people for it, but I'd like to think that we are more conscious of it. But every generation says that, right? Like, so, you know, my generation, we thought we were more progressive than anybody else. (laughs) My kids' generation think, yep, they're super progressive, you know, they're so much more socially aware. So, look, I think we're getting there, but I think there's a lot of challenges that people are having, mindful of the fact that people... Not everyone. And which is why, you know, when we do get people who ask us for donations of product, we're mm-hmm. more than happy to do it in terms of like, you know, we get community organizations who say, hey, we've got a, a, we have a lot of a lot of mums, right, with babies, nappy rash down and nappy mm-hmm. rash cream. Yeah, take it. Like, go and do it because they're not going to buy it. They're never going to be a customer of ours. But it's not about that. It's about being able to give people access to these things. I love that. Oh, my goodness. So now working in this social enterprise startup place, um, do you have, I'm a massive believer in that we can't be successful alone. We were talking off air about the power of networking, but it not being transactional and that the need to actually build a circle around you to be that board of advisors. Who's helping you? Who's in your world? Who's inspiring you to keep at it? Yeah, so we're like we've got a, an amazing board of directors who are helping us fund it. You know, but, yeah, get, getting really behind us. But certainly, my uncle is part of that too. You know, so he's a busy individual. You know, working in the US primarily is where our family business is now. But you know, he has certainly been the person. Every time I sat with him at Christmas time, you know, just going, yeah, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with that. He's like, don't worry, it's all going to work out. You know, because we believe in the product, it'll fall, it'll bounce, everything's going to, like, it'll all sort itself out. So you have people who are there to motivate you. But I also am conscious to have people in my world that are going to give me the real, you know, give me the mail, like, as in tell me, hey, you've got to really be, you know. So an old CFO that I used to work with, I still catch up with frequently, who sits there and says, you know what, this is all great, but how sustainable is it spending this much money on marketing or this much on this project or spending this much money on this without getting the return? What's the return? What's the return is always his sort of thing. So it's easy to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you how great you are. It really is. Like I can find 10 people tomorrow tell me how brilliant I am. Mm. What I try and do is find people who are going to actually bring me through, like, yeah, bring me back to, I guess, bring me down to earth. And I've got an amazing network of people who do that. Like I've got, yeah. So That's great. So how long's Coena been around now? What's its, how old is it's it? It's about two years now. Two years old. So you've obviously, I can imagine that, I can only imagine the experiments that you've had, the learnings along the way, the things that you've discovered to have worked. For those people that may be listening to this podcast that are listening to you and going, oh my gosh, that's me. That's where I'm at. But maybe they're at the beginning or they haven't even thought about making that change. In the spirit of you know, unleashing brilliance, what would be some pieces of advice, maybe three pieces of advice that, that you've learned along the way that you would share that you wish you'd known? Yeah, I think the first thing is to trust your gut. Like if you feel like, you know, you're really being led in a particular direction, like trust it because you can't, it's like, even if you make the wrong call, like even if you leave, and this was my mindset, even if I leave my job and I, yeah, I leave this amazing job that I thought was the greatest job I ever had in terms of work-wise, and I go to this thing and it doesn't work, I've learned something amazing from it. 
And I've actually then I'm never going to die wondering what if, like I should have done that. I should have taken that opportunity. So that, yeah. So yeah, trust your gut. Definitely. Just because people, the second thing I'd say is just because you believe in what you're doing, like just because like I know how great, like I can sit here and tell you how amazing what we're doing is and how much I love, how passionate I am. Not everyone's going to share that passion because the reality is when you're sitting in front of a buyer for a pharmacy chain who you're sitting there trying to get your product in the door, yeah, to them, it's the dollars and cents. If I put this on my shelf, is it going to sell? So, you know, just because you're passionate about it and just because you know and you believe in it doesn't mean everyone else is going to be. And that's a really hard thing to take. Like emotionally, you sit there and you go, you almost feel like you're getting kicked down. But, they, you know, how can they not see it? How can they not see what we're doing? And then I just think lastly, and this is probably the most important thing, is get a good group of people around you. And I think, you know, we often hear these people, like, yeah, these leaders or, you know, these inspirational Instagram influencers say, oh, you know, you want to be, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You always want to be learning from people. Great, right? But also get people in your life that are going to support you in all facets, not just the business, not just the financial, not just the marketing, but in your personal life. Because you know what, like being a startup, it is all encompassing. It is your whole world, right? It's almost like, so get someone to make sure that you are, you know, your family, your personal life, your relationships don't become damaged by what you're doing, but also that, you know, you're doing things for the right reasons. Like don't allow, you and I talked off air about this, is like transactional relationships. I think they're so pointless, yeah? So there's going to always be people that'll sit there and be like, they want something from you. Great. But don't allow that sort of thing to come into your world. Like, you know, get make sure you've got people that are telling you, yeah. I love that. Tech, so. Love that. Jonathan, um, where has failure set you up for su- success, do you think? I tell you, it's an interesting one. Again, I think if you just treat failure as you, you can have two. So I went through a marriage breakdown seven, eight years ago, right? And someone said to me, he said, you know, you can either take this as you can, you, you can be miserable about this and you can use this to define who you are. And, you know, everybody will have empathy for you and understand that you've gone through a really tough time and, you know, use it as an excuse for it. Or you can actually use this as an opportunity to grow as a person, to develop as a, you know, to, to become a better dad, to become a better employee, to become a better person overall. And so, you know, when I sit there and when I was sitting there going, I can't believe it, like, you know, my marriage has failed and I've got two kids and I have to sort of restart my life at 28 years old. It was like a really like, oh man, I failed, you know, like who am I now? And I had to find a sense of identity. But yeah, it was really that, that's what sort of drove me to be, you know, yeah, a better dad, more involved in my kids' lives, having, you know, a genuine relationship with my kids and doing things like that. So it's not, yeah. I think see failure as an opportunity to learn and grow is such a, a, a powerful thing from a mindset point of view. Mm. Jonathan, in the spirit of this podcast, it being all about unleashing brilliance, as I've listened to your story and there's so many more things I'd love to ask, but that, you know, I'm hearing this wonderful golden thread of entrepreneurial running through your blood and then, you know, that moment that you shared in Egypt where you are starting to question and get some perspective on the impact that we can have as a single human being and and almost how we need to take ownership of that impact that we have. Then through to almost that pivotal moment when your boss was challenging you around, you know, having all the success in the world isn't important unless you make a significant impact to then opening up that almost, you said, an existential crisis and then making the decision that you've made to leave a solid corporate career to now 
be two years into this social enterprise, which anyone listening in, I know can hear the passion that you have for your work. What are your final words of advice? What to you does unleashing brilliance mean? Yeah, wow. It's honestly, it's going with your gut. That's the biggest thing. So many, Joe, it's when we pick a supplier, it's, yeah, the people who manufacture our products here, I did it on a gut feel and a handshake. Like the contract is basically nothing. I go with that. Most of my suppliers, even when I was working for a big corporate, we had a handshake agreement because ultimately, if you sit there and try and make things too technical, like you get so caught up in the detail that you don't actually achieve. You don't actually achieve what you're trying to achieve. You don't build a good relationship. You know, the girl who formulated all of our chemists, the lady who formulated all of our products, who did the grunt work you know, on our formulas, I'm actually officiating her wedding. Like we've become really good friends because my gut told me that I want to work with her. My gut told me I wanted to work with their customer service people and I knew right away. And I actually carry that in every supplier relationship I go in. So go with your gut, trust it. You know, mm-hmm. because there's no, you know, What's the worst that happens? You, you go, okay, well, it didn't work out, but a contract's not going to stop it from not working out. So here's my ne- my final question because you've now raised another question. If someone's listening to this and they go, yeah, but how do you trust your gut? I don't understand. That's all a bit woo-woo and wishy-washy. What advice do you give? How do people trust their gut? Oh, look, I think, again, I think it probably goes back to that appetite for risk, right? You yeah. go, okay, well, what's the worst that's going to happen here? If I go and, you know, in our case, it was finding a supplier to formulate our product if it doesn't work we're delayed yeah we're delayed in time but guess what we learn what we don't want we learn what bases we don't want we know what we increase our the next time we do it we'll do it faster we'll do it better because we don't have to go through that learning experience Mm. so be prepared to take that risk so it is that it's the questioning it's the space to think give yourself the space to actually connect it's this piece about connect with the idea connect with the human being versus being transactional just trying to get stuff done is the key Jonathan our time is up it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today I'm super excited to watch where Coena the brand grows and I'm really excited to see the impact that this brand has on the community and the world at large. What is the best way for anyone that's listening right now that is curious to find out more or that wants to get hold of your products or talk to you about distribution? Where's the best place that they can find you? So the best place to get us is on our website. It's www.coena.com.au or email us hello at coena.com.au. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jonathan, and congratulations to everything you're already doing and the impact you're already making. It's certainly inspirational to hear about the brand and everything that you're developing in your vision for the brand. No worries. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, my own brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits, align with their purpose, and create greater impact through their business. I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock-solid business plans, and break through the glass ceiling to become seven-figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today as I'd love to help you. 
you can email me directly at support at janinegarner.com.au or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.